The devastation of the temple by the Romans in A.D. 70 was so thorough that the precise location of the sanctuary is still unknown today. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible as we continue through the book of Matthew in the New Testament. We're going to get into that right after this. Hey everyone, welcome again to Connecting the Gap. This podcast is hosted by me, Daniel Moore. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Go to my website, connectingthegap.net. There you can check out all my podcasts. I've been uh, doing this for a little over a year now, so there's quite a bit of content there. And you can also check out my blog as well. I'm on many, many podcast platforms, and I'm also on YouTube and Rumble. So if you like to uh, stream video version. It's not an actual video, but it's uh, in video format. You can actually go to YouTube and Rumble and, and subscribe there and check out my podcast as well. All of my links are at my website, connectingthegap.net. So we are cruising into the New Testament. We started Matthew last week, and we're going to continue Matthew this week. And before I get started, I just want to make a little statement here. Prophecy is a broad subject, and there's many, many opinions of what prophetic verses mean in the Bible, about what prophetic stories mean in the Bible, and you have to kind of pick and choose between all the different studies that you look at and line those up with the Word and and pray about those and kind of come up to your own agreement in your mind of which prophetic purposes the scriptures are trying to portray more fit what you believe in your theology. Now, I have gotten... Uh, messages posted on my YouTube uh, videos and some other places about people that disagree with how I see things. Uh, I've had messages such as the Antichrist is a religion and different things like that, and they kind of bombast everything that I say uh, in my podcast here. And that's totally understandable. I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. This is uh, my view of the prophetic in the Word of God and what these prophecies mean according to studies that I have studied in all the different places uh, that I have listened to for prophetic teaching, and so this is my view. It doesn't mean that it's set in stone. Honestly, we're all not going to know for sure till we get to heaven someday for sure what a lot of these prophetic uh, mentions mean in the Word of God. Now, I know that the Antichrist is a person. I truly, totally disagree that it's a religion that is not even biblical. Um, so, you know, there's certain things that I, I stand by as far as the Word of God and what it says and uh, what uh, the prophetic meaning are of a lot of the scriptures and the stories in the Bible, but I, I just wanted to leave this out there. I've been getting a few of these over some time here, and I knew that when I started this study, this series, that it was going to be a little bit touchy because prophecy is a deep subject, and it's very hard to teach, and people have so many different opinions about what the Word of God means in different areas. And so, like always, I'm always open to hear people's opinions and what they think about the Scripture. I've got a form on my website that you can fill out. You can email me at my email address, daniel at connectingthegap.net. 
that. Uh, there's many ways that, there that you can contact me and kind of give me your thoughts on things, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, so if, if you would like to do that, then please do so. Uh, but as far as my podcast goes, what I share is what I believe. It's how I believe the Bible and the way that it's interpreted with the studies that I have studied. And so I just wanted to throw that out there, and if it does not align with the way that you believe, there's other podcasts out there that you can listen to that may align with the way that you believe. In the end, all that really matters is how our hearts are with God and the fact that the day that He comes back and returns to take us home, if we actually live that long, if we don't live that long, I just pray that our hearts are right, that we will be in heaven with Him someday, and we all get to meet each other uh, from our respective places where we inhabit on this earth. So that's really all that really matters in this whole thing. But I just wanted to do this prophecy study. I've been wanting to do one for a long time and share with others that maybe have never heard a lot of these scriptures in the Bible. And for those that maybe have heard them and, and wondered, wondered what they meant. And so with all the studies that I have went through, uh, this is the, the one that I really probably most align with. And so this is the one that I'm sharing. So I just wanted to throw that out there today as a disclaimer as we get started this week on Connecting the Gap. And we're going to be starting out in Matthew chapter 13 this week. And we're going to be talking about, from heaven he came and sought her. As we start out Matthew chapter 13, we're going to be in verses 45 and 46. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had, and he bought it. So this is a parable in Matthew, and this parable is similar to others in this chapter in that the premillennialist and postmillennialist differ on how it should be interpreted. According to premillennialist, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like a merchantman who is Jesus, seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, or the church, went and sold all that he had, he gave up everything in heaven, and bought or redeemed it. But according to post-millennialist, Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who is the sinner, seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, Jesus or the kingdom or salvation, went and sold all that he had. He wanted that pearl more than anything else, and he bought it. The church was born through injury or the crucifixion of Jesus, and a pearl begins when foreign matter irritates an oyster. Arnold Fretchenbaum commented on this, stating, The pearl comes from the sea, and the sea symbolizes the Gentile world. You can read about that in Daniel 7, 2-3, Revelation 17, verse 1 and verse 15. This teaching, the concept that the Gentiles in the church are being formulated by a gradual accretion. One of the primary purposes of the church age is to call out from among the Gentiles a people for his name, as stated in Acts 15, 14, and this to continue until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, as stated in Romans 11.25. Here is the really good news about all of this. The kingdom of heaven is for the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Jesus treasures the church, and he gave up everything at his first coming to purchase it. It is continually growing to this day. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 47 through 50, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to the shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. 
the angels will come forth, separate the wicked from the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So here in these scriptures, we're seeing good fish in and bad fish out, basically. More than just a few commentaries on this parable say that it means the kingdom of heaven is like a net, which again refers to the church, and that it is cast into the sea, or the world, where it catches or gathers in all kinds of fish. Christians and pretend Christians, all the different types of people that there are, we're all different from each other. They say it means that Jesus will return at the end of the church age with his angels, and they will separate the good fish, which are the true believers, the two true Christians that follow Christ, from the bad fish, which are those that are pretend Christians. But this cannot be. The net is not the fish. It is what pulls in the fish. The church, or the true Christians, will not be separated from the wicked or the pretend Christians at the judgment. The church will be removed in the rapture before the judgment. Moreover, the Jews have been ignored in this explanation and excluded from the kingdom of heaven. It makes more sense to say on this particular parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a net, or the word of God, that is cast into the sea, the heaven from the heaven to the world, where it catches or gathers in all kinds of fish or people. When the net is full, or has gathered all that it can, Jesus will come with his angels, and they will separate the good from the bad, which is the saved from the lost, and this is how it will be at the end of the age, at the end of tribulation period. The angels will separate the bad fish from the good fish, and cast the bad into the lake of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Billy Graham was quoted, so angels will not only accompany Christ when he returns, but will be assigned the responsibility of gathering out of his kingdom all things that offend and work iniquity, that they might be judged. Dwight Pentecost stated, We may summarize the teaching as to the course of the age by saying, There will be a sowing of the word throughout the age, and which will be in imitated by a false counter-sowing. The kingdom will assume huge outer portions, but be marked by inner doctrinal corruption. Yet the Lord will gain for himself a peculiar treasure from among Israel and from the church. The age will end in judgment with the unrighteous excluded from the kingdom to be inaugurated and the righteous taken in to enjoy the blessing of Messiah's reign. This parable does not teach that Satan has been bound during the church age as the amillennialists believe, and it does not teach that the world will be totally Christianized before the second coming as the postmillennialists believe. It teaches just the opposite of these two views. The loving Jesus is warning us in this parable that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. He is clearly letting us know that the lost person is making a terrible mistake. Hell is forever. The age described in this parable is that period of time between Christ's birth and the second coming. Between these two great events, Jesus will add multitudes to his kingdom, and Satan will infiltrate it with multitudes more. The age will end with Satan's people being removed and cast into the lake of fire. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, it continues on by saying, What do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it, and he went. Then he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, The first. 
Well, Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Here Jesus said, There was a man, the father or God, who had two sons. These are two groups of Jewish citizens. God went to the first, the common people, tax collectors and prostitutes, and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard, who was Israel. Israel says, I will not. He answered, but later he changed his mind, or repented, and went. Then the father, or God, went to the other son, the Jewish religious leaders, and made the same request. He answered, I go, sir, but he did not go. Jesus asked which of the two, the common people or the religious leaders, did the will of his father or God. The first, the common people, they answered. Jesus explained that this was why the common people would enter the kingdom of God instead of the Jewish religious leaders. John, or John the Baptist, a cousin of Jesus, preached the way of righteousness, which is justice, peace, and right doing, and the common people repented and believed, but the religious leaders did not. Good people may not make it to heaven because they did not repent and confess a faith in Jesus. Bad people may make it because they did. But it's important to remember that when people truly repent, they change their behavior. The interchange of heart and mind is accompanied by an outward change of obedience to God. The inner reception of the Holy Spirit is accompanied by an outward demonstration of faith in Jesus. William Barclay quoted, This parable teaches us that promises can never take the place of performance, and fine words are never a substitute for fine deeds. The false prophets of Israel were religious, but they were lost. The Antichrist will be religious, but lost. This is also true of cults and false religions. Doing religious things is not necessarily synonymous with serving God. The church began with Jewish common people, the twelve disciples, more than a hundred followers, as several thousand were saved early in their ministry. The Romans destroyed Israel in AD 70, including most of the religious leaders. I want to add to this, with this portion of scripture and this parable, it really does kind of pull into today's society and how things are today. If you look at a lot of churches out there, a lot of uh, the pastoral leadership and a lot of leadership in the church have this holier-than-thou attitude about themselves, and they will not come down to the level of the common church people and allow them to understand that a lot of problems that we go through these days, everybody goes through. Nobody's perfect, but we have a whole group of generation of religious leaders that want to act like they're perfect, like nothing bad's ever happened in their life, and they almost kind of teach down onto people. And we have to understand and realize that, you know, I've always been a, a huge uh, supporter of the statement that if you go to a church, your pastor is your leadership, but your pastor still answers to the Word of God. So anything that the pastor says, he is there to teach 
and to admonish all of us as believers and to help the sinner understand who God is to come to repentance. But we still need to line up what the pastor says to the Word of God because everything they say sometimes is not always true. And so you can't go to a church and just idolize your pastor or your religious leadership and expect to get into heaven on on their coattails because it's not going to happen. There's going to be a lot of instances where religious leaders do not make it to heaven because they were living a bold-faced lie in front of all of their people in their churches, and a lot of the church people will make it to heaven before they will. So that's something I wanted to add with this, with this parable as we come out of it. Uh, this is one that I think really gets a lot of people these days because there's so much false uh, teachings going on out there in the world today and people trying to say that the Bible means this or it means that when it doesn't mean anything according to that and people are taking it hook, line, and sinker because they're not getting into the Word of God and understanding exactly what the Bible says uh, when in the way that it was supposed to be interpreted according to God's Word. So I just wanted to, to wrap up this week with that and I know we didn't really get through a whole lot of teaching this week because of just a few extra things that I wanted to uh, talk about this week. Uh, a couple things that I needed to, some laundry, I guess, that I needed to take care of. Um, but we'll be back again next week. Uh, Matthew's actually a, a pretty extensive chapter here that we're going to go through. There's a lot of prophecy, a lot of parables and that type of thing in Matthew. And so we're going to be going through a lot of those. We'll be starting into Matthew 24 next week. So uh, go ahead and be prepared for that. In the meantime, if you'd like to watch or listen to some more podcasts of mine, go to connectingthegap.net. That's my website. I'm also on Facebook and and I use my personal Twitter as well uh, to tweet out the, the different episodes that I have. And so check all of those out. I'm also on Rumble and YouTube. And, of course, in the meantime, please continue to pray for my ministry. And I appreciate you guys so much for listening each week. And sometime if you get the opportunity, drop me a line either on the form at my website or you can email me at daniel at connectingthegap.net. I'd love to hear from you. And maybe if God's done something for you here lately, answered a prayer, done a miracle in your life or whatever it may be, please share that. I would love to hear it. Well, I'm out of here until next week. You guys have a great week. Until then, remember that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time. And through Jesus' death on the cross, he has connected the gap. Mm-hmm.